Thank you for downloading from the Great Commission Society. Support for this podcast comes from your generous gifts and donations. You can find out more about our global ministry and team at www.greatcommissionsociety.com. On the 13th of January 2012, the massive Cossack Concordia cruise ship, with more than 4,200 passengers and crew on board, was sailing off the coast of Italy on a tour of the Mediterranean Sea. The captain deviated from his planned course and the ship struck a reef near the shore. After taking on water for a while, the ship began to sink. Abandoning his duty to the passengers and crew, Captain Francesco Schettino left the ship instead of remaining to make sure everyone could be rescued. In a phone conversation, the local Coast Guard commander repeatedly pressed Scatino for an update on the situation. Tell me if there are women, children and people in need there. Failing to receive a satisfactory reply, he ordered Scatino to return to the ship. The captain responded, you realise it's dark and we can't see anything. You've been telling me that for an hour, now get back on board. The Coast Guard official shouted. The captain was later arrested for his failure to do his duty, resulting in the deaths of more than 30 people. You know, every day we're surrounded by people who will spend eternity either in heaven or hell. The fact that so many are lost should disturb us. The Bible tells us that Jesus cared about the people a great deal. Matthew 9 verse 36 says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Let your hearts be stirred by the condition of the lost, and may we all do everything we can to reach and win others for Christ. Most Christians seem to find evangelism a very hard thing to do. Even the people who seem to excel and have the gift of evangelism readily confess their weaknesses. So why is it so universally difficult? Hello and welcome to our GCS podcast with author and evangelist Tony Anthony. Differing worldviews can be substantial, and reaching across them is not an easy task. But do you ever wonder if reaching across those barriers is even possible in today's society? In an age where predominant thinking is becoming increasingly hostile towards the Christian worldview, how can Christians bridge the widening gap and reach out across the barriers? Can we still communicate the gospel in today's world? And if so, what obstacles do we need to overcome? Let's join Tony as he explores five main problems that Christians face in seeking to reach the lost and shares effective Bible principles to tackle them. Evangelism is often the Cinderella of Christian experience. In heaven, each person will be able to worship the Lord, sing his praises and serve him, but will not be able to reach souls. That wise work can be done only here and now. If as Christians we do not obey the Lord's commands to go and preach to every creature while we're alive, it'll be too late when we've died. It'll be too late also for the unconverted. You know, if this generation doesn't reach the lost, no other generation will be able to. Their opportunity would have gone forever. You know, there are at least five main problems that each Christian and certainly every evangelist faces in seeking to reach the lost effectively. However, to each of these problems, there's a Bible principle, a parable answering the issue. The first issue is the problem of wickedness. We live in an age of unprecedented evil. People can watch and witness terrible things, all of which desensitise their minds to moral or spiritual values. Apathy or antagonism to the gospel is often the order of the day, unfortunately. What one generation tolerates in moderation, the next accepts in excess. You know, the seeds sown 30 years ago, they're being reaped now. The natural reaction, I think, is to be tempted to just give up, feeling that people are too difficult to get alongside and too hard of heart if we do meet them. However, this is no reason to give up in despair. 
There's a Bible principle which actually ought to lead to great hope. Where sin abounded, grace abounded much more, we see in Romans 5 verse 20. You know, Christ Jesus didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance, we read in Matthew 9 13. Great wickedness, as well as hurting the heart of sensitive followers of Christ, should also be a reminder that these are the very people for whom Christ came into the world. You know, the Lord knows our situation. He knows it so well. In the parable of the wheat and the weeds, in Matthew 13, verses 24 to 30, you know, we read of the master's full awareness of the state of the field. He said, in verses 28 and 30, an enemy has done this, and let both grow together until the harvest. You see, Christ said of his commission in Matthew 10, verse 16, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. And also, you remember Paul, he quoted from Psalm 44, verse 22. He, he says in Romans eight thirty six, for your sake, we're killed all day long. We're counted as sheep for the slaughter. You see, that's the situation that we're in and God knows it. However, these people around us are our mission field. You know, we love them because the Lord loves them. We have no monopoly on grace in this. Let us bear the heat of the day, because it may be that we will be used to reach some who throughout their lives have led lost, lousy lives, but who may be saved before it's too late. We have that hope that we read about, don't we, in Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 to 16. You know, the Lord said to Jonah, and should I not pity Nineveh in Jonah chapter 4, verse 11? And I think this attitude which we need is well illustrated by John Wesley, who wrote this in his journal. We came to Newcastle about six o'clock and after short refreshments walked into the town. I was surprised so much drunkenness, cursing and swearing, even from the mouths of little children. Do I never remember to have seen and heard before in so small a compass of time? Surely this place is ripe for him who came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Most of us today may take a different view by suggesting that this place is ripe for hell or judgment, but Wesley saw things differently. Maybe we should too. Also, William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, he said, go for sinners and go for the worst. You know, it's so true. So much of our evangelistic efforts is concentrated solely on the smallest percentage of this population who still have contact with the church or with us. But many evangelist efforts have successfully aimed at such people. However, what about those who spend their free time in clubs and pubs, who feel intimidated by going to church, who do not know our hymns or the books of the Bible? You know, they need Christ and he's still able to save them. The mark of a true work of God is when ordinary working people are converted. Let us be encouraged by the word of God to go and reach them, the most unreached. The second issue is the problem of weakness. We often feel that we neither have the resources nor the people to run massive evangelistic campaigns. You know, the mass media, generally speaking, do not cover our work and rarely show anything which we feel fairly represents the gospel message. Think along these lines for any length of time and you can start to feel really depressed, I can tell you. But God is still on the throne and we know that he will build his church. However, there's a Bible principle which is a real antidote to any sense of despair in this area. You know, God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. The world looks for great talent, but God calls and then equips and uses to his glory the person to or work submitted to him. You know, as Christians give away gospel tracts, 
you know, what I call a paper missionary and tries to speak about Christ. You know, what do you think's happening there? As far as the world is concerned, nothing much at all, a whole load of nonsense. But in passing on a tiny gospel seed, great things can be accomplished. Have you ever seen like a, a brick and there's like a little tiny plant growing through it and it's even causing the brick to break? I mean, isn't that also impossible? Well, you see, that's what the gospel can do as well. Let's not forget the parable of the mustard seed. You know, we read in Matthew 13, verses 31 and 32, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds. But when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Isn't that just encouraging to hear that? You know, God can use the smallest and weakest person or effort. I'm not arguing that we do things which are foolish per se. No, I'm not saying that at all. But that God will use the efforts of the witness of evangelists who is honestly aiming at reaching the lost and seeking to glorify God. If one method doesn't appear to be blessed, we should perhaps indeed try others without compromising the truth or the standard of the gospel message that we're trying to share. A third really big issue is the problem of wastage. You know, every Sunday school teacher or tracks distributor or worker with the elderly fears that his or her faithful efforts are largely wasted, perhaps. The evangelist can feel similar despondency and despair. You know, we often hear that we're called to be faithful and not fruitful. And of course, there's truth in that. But faithfulness and fruitfulness are often married to each other. You know, most testimonies include reference to childhood attendance at Sunday school, perhaps, even if it was only for a few months. If gospel seed is sown, it will bring fruit in God's good time. You know, Ecclesiastes 11 verse 6 sets out a great principle for us. In the morning sow your seed, and in the evening do not withhold your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, either this or that, or whether both alike will be good. You know, the Lord in his life did not see great fruit and the disciple is not going to be above the master. Of course not. There'll always be losses. But how can one reap if there's been no sowing? That's only logical, isn't it? You know, praying for revival is great or brilliant as long as the, the earnest desire is not that there should be reaping without sowing, you know, which is an excuse for laziness and a recipe for disappointment. A fourth issue to consider is the problem of waiting. You know, Satan exploits our desire to see immediate fruit by making us feel that it's time to give up now. You know, how far from catching a shoal of fish were the discouraged disciples when they began gathering in their nets? Just the width of a fishing boat. That's all it was. Just the width of a fishing boat. The Lord gave fresh direction and what a catch. You know, when Sir Winston Churchill went back to his school in Harrow to speak his message to the scholars, his speech was as memorable as it was short. He said simply, never, never, never give up. Then he sat down. Well, friends, evangelists need to learn that lesson. Never, never, never give up. But the Bible teaches a vital principle as well. We read in Galatians chapter 6 verse 9, and let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap, if we do not lose heart. You know, to break a boulder may take a thousand blows indeed. So are the first 999 wasted? Of course not. Efforts to reach lives which are hurting, hardened and held captive by Satan may appear to be totally wasted. But in God's economy, 
They may be his methods to bring a soul to life through the saving power of the Lord Jesus Christ. So on this issue of waiting, patience is needed in effective evangelism. You know, Christ said in Mark chapter 4, verses 26 to 29, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and raise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how, for the earth yields crops by itself. First the blade, then the head, and after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. Growth is a hidden secret thing, but clearly there's a divinely established order between labour and achievement. I can leave the rest to God, however, when I've done my duty, when, when he has pledged to do what I cannot do, and when I do not understand the process of growth. It is certainly fair to say that almost all mistakes in Christian's work are caused by impatience. And a fifth and final issue I'd like to talk about regarding evangelism is the problem of willingness. And I suspect that this is the real problem, and it lies with us. You know, following the Lord Jesus, being made into fishes of men, seeking to rescue the perishing, and by all means reaching some, is never easy. The work of the evangelist is not hit and run or hit and miss. Christ did not promise that working for him would be straightforward. Far from it. A regular routine of church services, not disturbed by new converts with their numerous problems, is an easier option than making our churches into rescue shops for those living without hope in this world or the next. Friends, evangelism should be at the top of our personal and church agendas. And so, are we prepared to pray and to fast with earnestness, pleading for those who never pray for themselves? Are we, like the Apostle Paul, able to say that we are innocent of the blood of all men, as we read in Acts chapter 20, verse 26? You know, Pusa, the potter, after many efforts to make a porcelain set for the emperor's table, despairing of making anything worthy of a king's acceptance, flung himself into the furnace, where he was glazing masterpieces, with the intention of intensifying the heat. How much of ourselves are we willing to give to reach men and women? It's challenging, isn't it? Well, I was greatly challenged by an elderly evangelical mission worker in Lebanon, Miss Fitzpatrick. After 50 years of missionary service, she retired to the Isle of Wight. In her late 80s, she would stand at the gate to her house and ask passing holidaymakers if they would like to come and see her garden. But when we were in the garden, we would talk about more important matters, she told me. I visited her in Ride Hospital after she had had a bad fall. We talked a while, then I prayed with her. Just before I left, she gripped my hand and with tears in her eyes said, Please pray with me. I've been here for three months now and not yet reached a soul for Christ, and I don't know what's wrong. You know, I felt so challenged that I allow sometimes months to go by without feeling that type of concern. There's a Bible principle and parable here. Jesus said in John chapter 12, verses 24 to 25, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. You know, I would beg of us all that we come before the Lord in our church prayer meetings and in our individual quiet times to rededicate ourselves to the task of evangelism and then with others urgently decide on a systematic prayerful plan of action to reach the lost whatever the cost. And so these are five main problems that I've just wanted to highlight to you that each Christian and certainly every evangelist faces. First of all the problem of wickedness. Second, the problem of weakness. 
Third, the problem of wastage. Fourth, the problem of waiting. And finally, the problem of willingness. Let's pray into these issues and let's make evangelism the top priority in our lives. We hope you enjoyed the message. Please subscribe and leave a rating and review to help others find our podcast. At GCS, our mission is to communicate the gospel message relevantly to every person in the world. One way we do this is by providing practical resources to help you grow in your faith and present the Christian faith across different cultures. You can find out more about our resources at www.greatcommissionsociety.com. If you would like to donate to our efforts, be sure to contact us or you can donate online. GCS is a listener-supported ministry and is chaired by a board of directors in Edinburgh, UK.